I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Hey, it's Matt Denby and here's what's coming up on this week's Binge List. I've never seen anyone act quite so hard. And I know people are going to absolutely froth listening to us talk like this. About as subtle as a brick in the face. It was really quite mm. silly. If what? that's the best thing about a show, that's not a good thing, Matt. No, <laughs> but a I whole think... lot of dominoes falling over <laughs> in some blood is the best thing you can say about something. Well, or... here's a criticism. You should like this bit. Look at me. Watch me act. Obviously, they had a large Meghan Markle-sized hole that they had to fill. Mm, okay, yeah, I'm done. You're listening to Binge List, Who Magazine's weekly podcast covering the best of TV. I'm your host, Matt Denby, and joining me are TV experts Gavin Scott and Claire Rigdon. Welcome back, guys. Hi, hello. Hello. We've got some interesting TV to talk about today, so let's go. Well, Suits is most famous these days as the former home of a certain royal bride. You might have heard of her, Meghan Markle. She's gone, obviously, but plenty of people are probably going to be tuning into Season 8, now screening on the Universal Channel, based on the lingering royal buzz. Gavin, this show has been going for a while now. Where are we at? Well, yeah, as you mentioned, we're up to season eight, and it's a long time since Harvey Specter, played by Gabrielle Macht, hired Mike Ross, played by Patrick J. Adams, to be his legal protege. Mike Ross um, had no legal training, and uh, the first few seasons were all about the fact that he was posing as a lawyer fraudulently, and would he get caught? That kind of stuff. And it it was great. It was a great premise for the show, Um, great legal minds working together, one of them an actual lawyer and one of them not. And then uh, Mike fell in love with Megan's character, Rachel Zane, who worked at the law firm as well. So in season eight, we've bid farewell to Rachel and Mike. And, uh, you know, you might be wondering what, where to now for Suits. But Suits has always been about Harvey Specter. So even though two original characters are now gone, Harvey is still there. And the show really does revolve around him. And it's pretty much business as usual. And on Suits, that means hirings, firings, mergers, firm reconfigurations. And to be honest, this was part of the reason why I stopped watching Suits. I loved seasons one and two, but then it became a little bit same old, same old. Who's (laughs) going to be managing partner? Who's going to be senior partner? Who's getting fired? Who's double-crossing who in the boardroom? That kind of thing. And that is still going on. I don't know about you two guys. Um, Did you watch the first episode of season eight and think... What is going on? It's the same old, same old thing happening. Yeah, I mean, I <laughs> I watched the first season of Suits and I was like, yeah, I quite like this. I mean, in my 20s, I my flatmate was a high-flying lawyer and um, I, I must admit at the time it was kind of fun to hear all his stories about what, what went on at this big law firm in Sydney, sort of after hours and all the shenanigans and high stake stuff that they all got up to. Um, but yeah, I was a bit like you, like it's all, it's almost started to feel a little bit like one of those kind of law and order procedurals to me that it's just kind of like this week's going to be like this and now this is happening. But I tell you one thing I did like 
was the introduction of Catherine Heigl playing a super bitchy character in this first episode back. Obviously, they had a large Meghan Markle-sized hole that they had to fill. And, um, yeah, it's kind of quite awesome seeing her back on, seeing Catherine back on on, um, TV again. What do you reckon, Matt? What did you think of seeing her? Well, I thought she was good. She was really enjoyable to watch. But, you know, I've got a confession to make, TV fans. This is the first episode of Suits I've ever seen in my life. Had no interest <laughs> in watching it before. I kind of had my interest piqued a little by the uh, the Meghan Markle debacle with her um, rising <laughs> from this show to uh, royal infamy or fame. Um, I tuned in, curious to see what was going on. But um, as an outsider, I found it pretty much almost completely impenetrable. Uh, it's just a tangle of turd legal dramas it's just another adult soap opera which i've got no interest in getting into at all especially with so many ongoing threads that you're trying to untangle it took me at least Mm -hmm. at least halfway through the first episode to sort of vaguely understand what was going on so if you're tempted to start at season eight don't bother just start from the beginning if you're so interested um look i found it moderately entertaining but i don't understand what all the obsession is with this show it's just not that interesting and it's not that that's what i reckon yeah i mean i actually think the most interesting thing about watching the first episode back of season of this season was trying to figure out who was who from the royal wedding like who was the chick that wore that blue polka dot dress and (laughs) what who is the chick that looks like the chick from mad men that has the red hair and like that was basically the sum total of my of my watching of this episode and i know people are going to absolutely froth listening to us talk like this because I have friends that are literally obsessed with this show. What about you, Gaff? Like, people love it. People do love it. It's really, really popular. And and I was like that in, in the first couple of seasons. And then in season three, there was this interminable case involving Game of Thrones' Caitlin Stark. I can't even remember the actress who plays her name, but I, I could only see Caitlin Stark because it, <laughs> uh, it was around that time that, that she was on Game of Thrones. Uh, and the case just went on and on and on all season. And Suits works best for me when there's a case of the week and they, yeah. they get to dip in and, you know, put their brilliant legal minds at work, solve the case, and then have some behind-the-scenes, you know, whether boardroom or bedroom shenanigans that's going on. The the premiere of Season 8, it just was all one of them walking into another one's office, having a conversation about who was going to get fired, and then someone walking into somebody else's office and having the same conversation. And it just was like, what is happening? Where where are the cases? Where is the interest? It it just seemed to be going round and round and round in circles without actually getting anywhere. And that, for me, is the problem with the show. I know people love it, and maybe it is one of those shows that... Maybe we're just missing something, Gav. Maybe. All three of us. Yeah. Invested. Maybe season eight did have to tie up a whole lot of loose ends from, yeah. from season seven and, you know, bid farewell to the characters going, introduce Catherine Heigl, set things up, and maybe the rest of season eight will carry on with some new big cases, that kind of thing. But, yeah, it, as Matt said, it, it is pretty impenetrable and it is a bit of a mess. So, uh, I don't know, maybe Suits has run its course. Yeah, mm. well, if you're interested in Suits, it's available now on the Universal Channel. Binge List. Brought to you by Who magazine. Muriel's wedding icon Rachel Griffiths is back on the Aussie small screen after a highly successful stint in Hollywood with a new cop drama, Dead Lucky. This series, which begins on SBS on July 25, is filled with local talent including Justine Clarke, Lincoln Eunice and Reese Muldoon. It comes with a lot of expectation, but is it any good, Claire? Oh, Oh, I I hate bagging out on locally produced shows, but I really didn't enjoy this. 
Well, I just hate to have to say this because I love Rachel Griffiths. I think she's been great in pretty much everything she's tried her hand at and every role she's ever played. There's just something about the script of this show, which is um, all about Rachel's character. She's a detective and she's um, investigating a a case that's become very close to her heart that, that just doesn't ring true. I mean, some of the lines... Oh gosh, and the way they were delivered just really grated on me. And um, yeah, it's got a great cast. I mean, it's got even though some of it feels a little bit like a place a play school presenter reunion because you've got Karen <laughs> from play school, you've got Justine from play school, Reese from play school. My God, what are they all doing? Not in 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 the play school playroom with Big Ted and Little Ted. It just felt wrong. Maybe it's that that kind of feels very jarring to me. But, yeah, Justine's character is this kind of very annoying bogan. And, um, yeah, it just none of it felt true to me. I get what they were trying to do, but I felt a little bit like um, I did about that show that has um, Yoan Griffiths in, based up in Queensland, where, you know, good good premise, good good cast, good idea, but not particularly well executed. What did you think, Gav? Um, I'm in the middle, and, and I know um, Matt disagrees with you, so we'll get to him in a minute. But um, I'm in the middle between you two, I think. I, I didn't mind the first episode. I thought Justine Clark's character was bloody awful. Mm. Um, and, you know, I, I'm not the hugest Justine fan, especially um, her, her kids. I love her. I, her kids songs kind of, I think that they were played a little bit too much in my house. So, so <laughs> yeah, that, the that watermelon was a problem. song. I love it. But but um yeah, I, I, the character she plays is is awful, annoying, unrealistic. The lines she's given to oh, speak are just like who says that? It just doesn't sound real. So she plays um one of two owners of a convenience store, and there's uh there's been a serial killer running around who seems to be targeting convenience store workers or owners or something. It it just seems like a really small fry case but then the tone of the show is really ultra serious and brooding mm. and there's this disconnect between are we really just talking about a, a 7-eleven getting you know getting held up and someone getting shot and there's a guy who runs a pet store or something it just seems really um insignificant but then it's this really ultra serious dark almost like noirish type of tone to the show there's mm. disconnect for me. Rachel Griffiths, I I quite liked her in this. I, I'll disagree with you on that. I like that the character is is kind of a bitch. She, yeah, she, she um she when she's talking to her partner, she you know she, she's like, oh you're not like one of these millennials who needs constant reinforcement, are you? Um, I like that she's going through anger management because all the people around her are idiots, and <laughs> and she gets really annoyed with them, and it's like that would annoy me too. That would to annoy me too. So I sympathise with that, but I yeah. So I kind of liked elements of it, and other bits I was just like, this is awful. I agree, the script is is pretty terrible in parts. So, yeah, and I did get through one and a half episodes. I did go back for a second episode and then turned it off halfway oh, through. Oh, did you? But, uh, yeah, so I'm on the fence. But, Matt, I know that you were kind of positive about it. Yeah, look, I really liked a lot of this. It kept my attention through the whole first episode, and that's pretty good after the recent glut of really boring Aussie duds we've had to wade our way through. The opening sequence in the convenience store with the, the gunman holding a worker at gunpoint, I found that very chilling and suspenseful. The title sequence I thought was genuinely excellent. That animation of the dominoes falling into what looked like blood is quite arresting and kind of set up the concept of the show in a really interesting way. If what- that's the best thing about a show, 
that's not a good thing, Matt. No, <laughs> but a I whole think... lot of dominoes falling over in some blood is the best thing you can say about something. Well, or... here's a criticism. You should like this bit. Uh, the next the next section where we're introducing Rachel Griffith's character where she's sitting down in a meeting and then we have dialogue like, why do you think you're here, pregnant pause, in anger management? And then we set up her motivation and all of her issues. I thought that was really unsubtle. But, you know, you've got you've to take the good with the bad and there is a bit of bad here, but I'm not going to damn the whole show because of it. I really liked all the ethnic diversity and casting. I really, really liked all the prominence of women. This is a show, after all, which is set in a modern Australian city and this is the way that all shows set in modern Australian cities should look, let's face it. I didn't like the convenience store owner woman. I thought she was a ridiculous caricature. I know she's there to present a message about uh, racism and unbridled capitalism or whatever, but that character was like a caricature, like about as subtle as a brick in the face. It was really quite <laughs> silly. In conclusion, it's got some good pacing, it's got some jolts, it's got some suspense, generally good casting, acting, some good, some bad, only a few bum notes. I would watch this again. Would you really? Yeah, interesting. I, I did read that the people behind this are also the people that created House Husbands. And to me, it kind of felt a little bit like this might be more at home on a commercial TV network, perhaps not on SBS, even though, as you say, it is quite ethnically diverse. But um, yeah, it's, um, it's one of those things. Yeah, I don't know. I've, um, perhaps I should give episode two ago but yeah for, for the time being yeah nah well I, I didn't get through episode two but I, I think it's interesting that, that you mentioned yeah the free to air versus SBS thing because it does feel like a show that somewhere stuck in the middle it doesn't know what it wants to be is it is it more broad and, and free to air or is it a little bit niche and, and SBS and I kind of felt like Rachel Griffiths was slumming it a little bit I don't know quite <laughs> why she signed on for this because it didn't it, it felt like not that it was beneath her but, um, it, it, yeah, it didn't seem like the type of thing she'd normally go for, given her overseas success and film success and, and things like Emmys that. And her Emmys and all of that, you know, and her Oscar nominated. Like, has she been nominated for an Oscar? I feel like she has. Like, remember how great... But she's that calibre. Underworld. Yeah, and- she's that calibre actress, oh. So, and it didn't feel yeah. like the script met up with her standards or my thoughts of what her standards well, should be. God, <laughs> oh, I just hate being so harsh, but... Yeah. Well, it's always better to tell the truth, I feel. If you're interested in Dead Lucky, it begins on SBS on July 25th. Who magazine's binge list? Beloved Aussie icon Arne Doe is a man of many talents. He's a comedian, he's an author, and he's an artist. We get to see some of those skills, as well as another one, interviewer, in Arne's Brush with Fame, which is currently airing on the ABC and available to view on iView. Arne's got some great guests on this season, including Terry Irwin and Adam Goods. What did you think, Claire? Yeah, this is one of those shows that keeps getting better. I sort of put this in the same category as a show we talked about last week, which is, um, or a couple of weeks ago, which is You Can't Ask That. Uh, it's one of those ones that if you haven't discovered yet, you absolutely should. So essentially it sees Ando, who people will know as the award-winning comedian and children's book author and actor, um, sit down and basically paint a portrait of his subjects whilst interviewing them and just having a general chit-chat about who they are as people. The fascinating thing about this and what really sets it aside is the things that he gets people to share Mm. during these chats. It's just 
unbelievable. I don't know if it's the intimacy of the setting or the fact that Arne, as he admitted to me when we chatted last week during an interview, that he is incredibly well-researched and well-prepared when he sits down to paint these people. But whatever it is, he manages to kind of get people to open up about things that we might not have heard them speak about before. Um, for example, don't know if you guys have seen the Terry Irwin episode. It's yeah. just unbelievable like i've interviewed terry a lot over the years and i've been pretty she's a pretty fascinating person but i've always felt a little like she was a a tad impenetrable that she had this very public face that she shows which is one maybe out of necessity self-preservation wise because obviously she has to spend a lot of time talking about um her her sort of deceased husband steve which would just be awful for anyone but um yeah in this episode Arne really goes there with her and gets her to open up in the most amazing way about the uh, sort of how she coped with steve's death and what happened in the immediate aftermath she gets very emotional and it really felt like he humanized her in a lot of ways and it was just it's just so compelling i mean not least of the fact that at the end of it his portraits are fantastic like who knew that he was an archibald sort of um nominated artist and and so good in 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 that respect i mean yeah what did you think about it yeah did you like do you like it yeah i mean as interview shows go and in between arn and julia zamiro and andrew denton there do seem to be a few around at the moment this is this is fine i mean i I, um for, for me it depends on the person who's interviewing whether i'm really hooked by it um, and, and how interested I'm going to be. Um, the painting while interviewing is, is a great point of difference and there's always a degree of excitement because you're never going to know what the picture is going to look like and then there's the yeah. big reveal. Um, I will say I was really interested in the Adam Goods episode, which is coming up next. It's, it's um, on iView now, but it's coming up next on, on ABC. Um, I'm not really a sports fan, but I was shocked by the treatment he received from crowds a couple of years ago. And, you know, I did follow that story. And it was interesting to hear his take on it and his backstory. And to see Arne's shock and outrage about the racism in sports and the stolen generation policy, that kind of spoke for me and probably many others. So mm. for me, it would be episode by episode whether I'd really get into it, how interested I am in the person, whether I've been interested in them in the past and things like that. I, you know, And I think it's a really well-structured show. It gets to the point quickly. And as you say, he does pull a, a lot out from them, which, which is great. Yeah. Matt, what did you – I know you were a big fan of the Terry episode as well, Matt, weren't you? Yes, I really enjoyed that a lot. I often feel that Terry can sometimes seem a bit show business, a bit rehearsed, a bit mm. performative. She was none of those things here. She was sitting in, basically sitting in someone's living room having a chat with a friend. That's what it felt like. And I think Arne's got this really genuine energy that draws that out of people, makes people feel at home, makes them feel relaxed. The bit where she talked about finding out that Steve had passed away, that was really gut-wrenching stuff when she broke down. That was a sincere recollection of an extremely distressing event and you were just there with her. You felt for her so much. It was really emotional television. And that's all Mm. down to Arne's um, interviewing technique and his manner. I think he's so good at drawing people out, giving you those uh, genuine moments, those sincere, heartfelt moments. I think that he's really underrated as an interviewer, actually. He's brought some amazing stuff to light. Like you, Gavin, I tend to watch this show. I watch this show on iView and I cherry pick which episodes I want to watch. I pick the people that I'm interested in hearing about. I'm not just interested in hearing about anyone's life. They have to be somebody interesting. Mm. And as well as Terry, I thought that the Adam Goods episode was fantastic. 
Yeah, but here's here's the thing, Matt. By doing that, you're actually missing some really fantastic TV because, for example, you might be sort of thinking you know someone and going, oh, yeah, this will be interesting. But it's actually some of the lesser-known people that he chats to, especially during this series, that provide the most interesting television. For example, Jill Hicks now. I don't Mm. know if that name would mean anything to anyone, but she's actually a woman who survived the London bombings and um, lost both her legs, I think, and, um, yeah, and is now now sort of speaks out about um, a whole range of issues. She has the most amazing story to tell, and the way that she tells it to Anne is just heart-stoppingly good. Like, it is just amazing to watch so i think before you kind of um write off certain episodes it's worth giving it's actually worth giving them all a go like for example one of the other interesting which you wouldn't necessarily think is when he sat down to paint dr carl kruzelnitsky triple Mm. j's science um guru now the dr carl has this weird medical condition where he finds it hard to recognize people's faces yeah and um sort of says look when i was painting his portrait i didn't even know if he'd recognize himself when i turned the canvas around i mean that's not something you would even get a hint of from just reading it on a blurb saying oh yeah this is what's coming up in this episode so i think you might need to rethink your your watching strategy there (laughs) maybe maybe but in this day and age of peak tv we all have limited time and i am glad that i spent my limited time watching the Adam Goods episode, like you guys said, it's definitely worth watching. It's a fantastic one. I knew that his um, his mother was one of the stolen generation. I'd heard that before, but I didn't know that his grandmother was murdered, murdered at the Adelaide races of all places by just apparently by a random psycho. It's just horrifying what that family has been through. Mm. And then you have the triumph of him rising above and becoming a huge sports icon and a, a really beloved figure in Australian sport. And then you have the horrifying backlash that he received from um, horrible racist crowds. You really feel all of it. And I think that that's a testament to Arne again. I think this is a great show. People should watch it if they haven't yet. So check it out on iView. I chatted to um last week about the show. We filmed the show over, you know, two to four hours. And so the guest just sits there and, and, and chats for, you know, three hours. And so in three hours of of you know, just having a yarn, you, uh, I'm bound to get some good stuff. You know? <laughs> yeah. So, you know, I'll put, it, I'll put it down to that. And I, I also, there's no there's no audience there, so um, my guest doesn't have to perform or, you know, there's oh, no pressure. It's um, very it's intimate, very relaxed, it? Yeah, very relaxed setting. I handpicked my, my crew of uh, amazing men and women, and I, I told them, your main job today, of course, other than, you know, you know, being the cameraman, your main job is is to make the guest feel at ease, you know? And so that, 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 that's something that we talk about before uh, each and every guest arrives. Great stuff there. Arne's Brush with Fame screens on the ABC and is available to watch on iView. To binge or not to binge? That is the question. Gavin, you've been watching Patrick Melrose on BBC First. I have. Um, and this has just been nominated the show and lead actor Benedict Cumberbatch for an Emmy Award. So I definitely wanted to check this out to see if it was as good as that suggested. And I have to say, Benedict Cumberbatch gives a masterclass in acting in this series. It's based on the semi-autobiographical novels by Edward St. Auburn, who I'd never heard of. But um, he, he plays the titular character, Patrick Melrose, who, when we meet him, learns his father has died and Patrick is grappling with addiction to just about everything. And, you know, Benedict really gives it his all 
in you know under the influence of drug scenes and then in in episode two he's suffering withdrawal i've never seen anyone act quite so hard yes he's obviously good but i also found it a little bit much like look at me watch me act um <laughs> so i can see why the emmy voters might have gone for that um episode two provides the context for patrick's behavior and without giving too much away it's down to horrible parents and they're played by hugo weaving in jennifer jason lee jennifer's in fine form in in episode two i have to say i found episode one a bit samey which patrick does drugs um, and I think it would have been an idea to bring some of the flashbacks in episode two that explain his situation or predicament into episode one to give it some context. Um, and then in episodes three to five, we follow Patrick's story through the 90s and noughties, but I didn't get that far. It's obviously high quality drama. I don't think it'll be for everyone. It definitely wasn't for me. And now I know, Claire, that you're a fan. <laughs> you know what you're going to say? You're going to say, I oh. disagree. I so totally and utterly disagree with you on this one. So I've, I've watched the first episode of this. There was a lot of hype around it. And I was like, oh, wow, this is really good. And I watched episode two and I was like, wow, I was not expecting it to go in that direction. And then I watched episode three and felt the same thing. And basically over the five episodes of this series, which cover the five books that it's based on, it is one hell of a journey for Benedict's character, Patrick. He is sen sensational but you really honestly don't get that i mean he's very good in the first episode but you really don't get the full sucker punch of what he does in this unless you watch the entire series now um it just basing it off the first and second episode you 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 can't get a sense for what's ahead you you couldn't you couldn't sort of predict the the kind of um the, the, the direction this goes in it covers about a 20 or 30 year period in his life so we start off seeing patrick um in his 20s trying to you know his dad's just died he's going through a really traumatic time he's um trying to get off heroin and then it flips back to him as an eight-year-old and and the little boy as a side note that plays him as an eight-year-old is just fantastic and also deserves an emmy award for his portrayal he's very very good but yeah just to kind of stick stay in that in that realm isn't enough like it so by the end of the series he's in his sort of 50s and he's yeah like i just couldn't stop watching this i started watching it from episode one and I lost an entire weekend to this series. It is so good. I mean, in the blurb I got from the B- the BBC provided this blurb saying it's both traumatic and hilarious. <laughs> and I have to say that I didn't find there was that much to laugh about. It's all really awful. And I didn't know how much about this Patrick Melrose character was real and how much was, was true based on what I'd read about the fact that it was semi-autobiographical. So I did some Googling about the guy that wrote the books and once you have that as a bit of background when you're watching this series, it, it it makes it even more horrifying because you know that everything is pretty much real. Uh, the author of the books did was hooked on drugs, did have a really awful time with his family. His father was horrific. I'm not going to tell you what trauma he experiences as a kid, but basically think of the worst thing you can, and that's pretty much what happens to poor little Patrick in this series. So Benedict Cumberbatch is next-level exceptional in this. I mean... Based on my witterings just then, Gavin, do you think that you would be likely to revisit this? It's definitely something you need to stay with from episode 
episode one. Like, do you think that you'll go back and possibly dip into episode three? I don't. I don't think I will. I mean, I think we're in agreement that it is a good quality show. I mean, it, there's been a lot of money spent on it. The locations are great. All that you know, they've got a great cast and the acting is good. I think. I think we're in agreement on that. I think what it comes down to is how hard you're prepared to work for a show and you know whether you will stick it out through five episodes to then get the full effect of the show or whether you get through a couple and go "Mm, okay yeah i'm done and obviously in in your case you you were hooked enough to stick it through whereas i was like yeah okay i've seen as much as i want to see and that's the tricky thing about some of these shows is is you almost want the instant gratification you're prepared to work a little bit or I'm prepared to work a little bit, but sometimes I don't want to work too hard. And I did feel like Patrick, Patrick Melrose was making me work just a yeah. little bit too hard. Yeah. I, I, yeah. I, I disagree. I actually was hooked on this right from the very first episode and I, I, I've watched it compulsively, but just a little word of warning for people that are a little bit um, triggered or affected by sort of um, child abuse and some tricky subjects like that. Probably, Maybe think twice about watching this one. It is actually quite traumatic to watch. Okay, if you'd like to see Patrick Melrose, it's available to view now on BBC First. It's time for this week's Hidden Gem. The best shows are often the overlooked ones, and Claire, you'd like to cast the spotlight on Marcella, which is on Netflix and on ABC from August 3. Yeah, I wanted to cast a little um, spotlight on this one because it's one of those ones on Netflix that has a tendency to sort of get lost. You know, you get all these international dramas pop up and you're like, oh, I don't don't really know what I should watch next. But um, this one is definitely worth having a little look at. Anna Friel, who people will know as the British actress who kind of found acclaim in the States via Pushing Daisies, I think it was called. Mm. She's um, She stars as Marcella in this and she was actually nominated for an International Emmy for this Scandi noir style drama which is set in London. Um, it's it's a very strong start and it's very dark and it's got a bit of a Happy Valley vibe to it. You sort of know something quite awful is brewing. Um, in episode two and you start to really see why um, – Anna was nominated. She's fantastic. But uh, she's got, she does this incredibly measured performance as a police detective having a pretty rough time in her personal life. And she suffers periodic blackouts, which are described as fugue states, which I don't know if you ever watched the, the Kettering incident, but I think that's what Anna in the Kettering incident also suffers from, like moments in time where you completely forget what's happening and you kind of come to and you have no idea what you've just done. Um, so that's the kind of premise for this. Basically, um, she's investigating a, a, a series of crimes, but she's also frantically trying to piece together some things that have happened during one of her fugue states. Um, it's it's really, really interesting. She gives a really fantastic performance. It's incredibly dark um, and it actually goes for two series. Now, I'm not going to ruin anything for you and I'm not going to explain anything that happens in this because you have to really stick with it. But the conclusion of the second series really lends itself to the um, – if it does go to a third series, which I think that it might be, going off in a very, very different direction. So if you're a fan of Anna Friel, if you're a fan of sort of British, um, dark British dramas, then definitely check this one out. It's fantastic. Okay, if you're keen on watching Marcella, check it out on Netflix and on the ABC from August 3rd. Well, that's it for this week's show. Next week, we've got a really big episode with the return of Orange is the New Black. Can't wait for that one. If you enjoyed yourself uh, this week, please make sure that you're subscribed and tell all your friends about us. The more, the merrier. Share us on social. We'll see you next week. And until then, happy viewing. Bye. Bye.
Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com.